Welcome to the Young Adult Podcast, where we will be engaging in weekly conversations around the amazing, tough, fun, weird, but extremely important and defining season of your 20s, all while bringing you more of a biblical perspective. Our goal is to dive deeper into conversations that push you, challenge you, and hopefully inspire you to begin to walk in the fullness of who God created you to be, which we believe will make you the most effective for the kingdom of God. Let's jump into this week's episode. What's up, everybody, and welcome to the Young Adult Podcast. My name is Connor Grimm, and I'm your host, back in the studio for part two of our relationship Q&A, the one and only Mr. Romance himself, Andrew Matron. How we doing, man? How we doing? Welcome. I feel like we missed an opportunity last time with the, with the romance questions. Yeah. Tonight on. Q105.9. <laughs> You've got the voice for that. I don't know. You've got the voice for a creepy late night <laughs> radio. <laughs> I was on my lonely people doing that that night. Oh my gosh. Smooth jazz with with Andrew McDonald. I love jazz. Do you really? Yeah. Okay. Love it. Speaking of jazz. <laughs> no, there's no there's no way to transition this. We're gonna jump in back into our QA. We're gonna do part two of our relationship question and answer. But to start us off, let's uh let's dive into Matrone's relationship. I know you've shared some some stories a little bit about like some awkward dating experiences. But when I say like worst date ever, what's the fir- very first thing that pops into your mind? Oh, I, th- I think I've told the stories when I when I uh, I went ice skating, I asked a girl on a date to go ice skating, and I asked her out. She was like kind of random, but she was like a competitive ice skater her entire life. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> yeah, but I, I can't skate. I like do like the awkward duck thing where like your legs are like your feet are pointed outwards. <laughs> and then, um, long story short, I started falling when we were skating, and I grabbed on the back of a hoodie and I pulled her down on the ice. <laughs> I'm sure she loved that. Yeah, and I was, like, in the middle of, like, college football, so I was, like, 250 pounds, and she was, like, this small girl, and I just destroyed her life. Oh, I bet she hit life. the ground hard. Oh, yeah, I didn't. Yeah, I didn't hold back. I was I was trying to stay up. <laughs> but I was like, if I'm going down, you're going down with me. <laughs> <laughs> and not only did that physically hurt, I bet it was such a shot to her pride to, like, Dude, it was Jordan Valley Ice Rink in Springfield, Missouri on a Friday night. There's not much to do in Springfield, Missouri. The place was packed. And I went to a Christian college, so there was, like, tons of people there. Because what do Christian college people do? They go, like, ice skating. <laughs> so <laughs> I am- wanted to die. That's amazing. There wasn't a hole big enough for me to crawl into. <laughs> okay, but before we jump in. What about you? Worst date. My worst date ever was when I was in high school. I One of my good friends, she was actually dating my best friend at the time, but she was like, hey— I want to I wanna hook you up with my cousin. She's really cool, same age, go to a different school. And you know when you're in high school, like a girl from a different school, you might, oh, yeah. you might as well be dating like a, you know, somebody from, from Europe from a, from or something. From a four to, a, to an eight. <laughs> yeah. Seriously, your, your points <laughs> double. If you brought a girl from another school to your school dance. Oh, man. Yeah. Yeah, you made it. You made it. But you never talked to your, another girl from your school again because they hated you. But that's another story. So. <laughs> no, so I, I went on a date. We went on, like, a double date. And I've shared this story before. We went to a movie. Um, and she did the whole, like, put her arm up. Like, she was signaling for a handhold. Yeah. And I, I was too big of a chicken. I, like, wussed out. And I was like, 
man, there's a lot riding on this. <laughs> like, cause you know, like you want to like your best friends dating this girl. You, yeah. Like it could be a cool, like double couple sort of thing, whatever. And she's from another school. So I didn't want to blow it. But I was like, no, you know what? I'm going to be a man. I'm going to hold her hand. And so I reached over like in her lap and long story short, I literally was like digging through her purse for like five minutes. She had her purse on her lap. And my hand was in it, and it wasn't until I it wasn't until I grabbed her keys that I realized my hand was in her purse. And then I pulled it away and was just like, "Yeah, this isn't gonna work." That story makes me uncomfortable on many levels. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, man. Okay. Yeah, why, why does God let us go through those? Moments, I don't know. The humblest. The humblest. <laughs> let me ask you this That's real funny. quick before we get started. You know, there's a stereotypical. First date, let's go get dinner, let's go get coffee. Yeah. If you could give somebody one piece of advice on what not to say or do on a first date, what would be your big, like, hey, I know, you know, this, I, I know society says to do this, culture says whatever. Don't do that. That's cheesy. That's cool. Yeah. Uh, th- this might be a different answer than what you're expecting, but I would say don't drink on your first date. Okay. I think that when we drink, it, it creates false intimacy. Okay. And so you can you can connect with somebody that you really actually don't have a connection with, but you're feeling loose, you're feeling tipsy, you're so you you kind of like you're like vibing with that person. Yeah. And you can kind of end up um allowing uh your 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 mind or like your words to go beyond probably what you would normally do. So I I think there's something really, really profound about being sober minded. Yeah. In in that like that courting process. Yeah. Um that's a great piece of advice. Yeah, I don't know. I I think that cuz you could walk away. I mean, I could have a drink with someone who's like my enemy, but you could get tipsy and be like, "We I love you, bro." <laughs> yeah. I'm so I'm sorry for it, but then you like the next day you're like, "No, I still hate that freaking person." <laughs> um so I yeah, I would say that that's uh that would be really important to me. Yeah. Hey, there you go. Wise words from the love radio host himself, Andrew Matrone. Yeah. Don't drink on your first date because you might be loving the Cuervo more than you're loving the person. <laughs> you know what? That's true. And there's something powerful too, especially if you're a female, to be like, I don't have to be anything for you. Yeah. I don't have to be like Funny the fun and or, the flirty yeah. and no, like be you. Be strong. Be confident. Like you said yes to that date because, you know, so – yeah, show up but be sober minded. Hey, that's a that's a great segue into our first our first Q and A question. I didn't even mean to do that. Yeah. Um, this is the Holy Spirit. It was man. Look at him orchestrating this podcast. Yeah. That's why we've got so many listeners. I think we're up to what nine, <laughs> nine or ten. Depends <laughs> on if my mom listens to it or not. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love when your mom uh, comments on the Instagram post. Anyway, she does a lot. My mom does sometimes. All right, first question. These, <laughs> people listening are like, what are these guys going to shut up and just get to it? All right, first question. Is it bad for a woman to be the initiator in a relationship? The church has kind of always put the onus on guys to be the initiator, the person to take action. Um, but can women initiate a date or a relationship too? Um, what are your thoughts? If I were to answer this, I would say that absolutely women can can initiate a relationship. I think, um, you know, like I, I just think like social norms, what was what is and isn't socially acceptable today is like vastly different from 
the 20s or the 30s or even like Bible times. So yeah, like absolutely, I think you can initiate a relationship. I would say this, and this is a generalization. So let me say say that first. I know I'm making a generalized statement right now that does not apply to every single person. But from my experience and having conversations with young professionals, both men and women, if I were to generalize, overall, I would say women like being pursued and men like to pursue um, on the bigger picture, but I don't think that's always the case. That doesn't have to be the case. And so if you're a girl and you like taking initiative in a relationship, that's not a problem at all. Here's my only red flag, and this is the only thing that I would say. Just make sure by you taking initiative that he is not a passive person. And what I mean by that is if you take initiative and you guys start going on dates and you feels like you feel like there's a connection that's starting to form, there should be a point where he eventually shows the same level of interest that matches your initiation. If you're always the one planning dates, if you're always the one reaching out, then that's that's a passive that's like a lack of interest. But if you if you that's make the, the initiation, if you go up and say hi, if you hey, uh, we should hang out sometime, and then that interest is reciprocated, that's that's absolutely awesome. But just don't like, don't throw a passive guy on your backpack and try to carry him into a relationship because that person is just passive. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, I, I, I definitely agree. I, I would, if someone were to tell me to, to choose what, what I think should be, I would probably fall on the side of like, I think that there's something about men especially in this culture like putting their big boy pants on yeah and pursuing somebody that they that they like that they desire to be with um and not i see we we kind of grew up in a little bit of a different like if we were going to talk to somebody we had to get the number we had to call them yeah um, and normally a home phone. Mm-hmm. Yeah, where dad picks up. Yeah, we're we're old old. Like, Is Sarah there? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And he's um and so dude, I think that this like DM culture, uh Snapchat, Tinder, it it uh it gives a false sense of boldness. Yeah. For fellas. Big time. You can t- you can type a mean game. Yeah. And not actually have a mean game in real life. I remember when me and Jerica actually decided, like, I decided to pursue her. I got her number, and I texted her. I said, can I call you? Yeah. I'll call you. T-. And we the f- So the first conversation we really had was we sat on the phone for, like, four hours. But I said, can I call you? So, ladies, don't, don't do this whole back and forth thing where you're, like, in the DMs, and then he's like, I'll pick you up. Is it? Like, no. He's to call you. <laughs> um, and maybe that's old school thinking, but I just think that our culture of men is does feel a little passive right now because there's a lot of ways to be passive. So ladies, don't don't make it easier on them. Um, if they like you, they want to be with you, then I promise you they will pursue you. Yeah. Um, but do you think there's anything wrong with a girl being kind of flirty to, like, catch somebody's attention? No. No, I don't think so. Yeah, no, I, I, I would. I think that'd be foolish for me to say that's wrong. Yeah, yeah. Do not do that. That's wrong. Um, but, so, I, but there is a line to where it's. Yeah, like, I, I think there's a line, but but I think to to your point, I think that that's really important. That there should be 
there should be a level of hey we're we're both interested yeah. um so we're both engaging in in this like there comes a point where you've reached out to him six times and he's not shown then be done with it yeah no i agree that was a long answer but i think that might be an important one yeah no i think that is important. like women desire to be wanted yeah and men desire to want yeah like they they like kind of like you said about like being pursued and, and pursuing so i i do think there is a weird switch um and ladies tell us if uh let us know if you disagree yeah I, well, we, i'd love to hear that we are not the lord you can disagree <laughs> with us <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'd, lo- I'd actually love to hear some feedback on that so if yeah that would be interesting if you are listening let us know what, what you think about that i do think and maybe i'm wrong and I, I literally have zero evidence to back this statement up but i do think that social media um potentially dating apps has almost created um, not a role reversal, but this comfortability with guys to like to be chased as well. Mm -hmm. And I think that's unhealthy in guys. And I don't know, um, like I said, I've got zero backing and zero research to to solidify any of these statements. But I think that social media sliding into people's DMs, you know, Snapchat, sending pics, whatever – Guys can have this false sense of power um, and very unhealthy relationships I've seen are when guys feel like they have power, not just over a female, but over a few. Yeah. It gives guys, you know, this feeling of like, oh, not only do I want them, like they want me. Like I like the, you know, I'm kind of in control of all this. And so I don't know, maybe, maybe in a few years there will be statistics about that. But I feel like the passivity in guys has also kind of become this like power dynamic, this control of like, you know what? No, like you, you pursue me. It's like, nah, nah, dog. Yeah. No, I, I, yeah, I think that's, there, there's a lot of truth that we could, we should probably preach about that. We might lose half our guys, but, but like <laughs> the e- 10 even, guys that come. <laughs> yeah. E- even to like seeing how Paul like talks about men with their wives as as Jesus is to the church. Like Ephesians 5, 25, husbands, love your wives. That, that's active. Just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Like that Jesus pursued his His people. Jesus yeah. laid his life down for the church. Um, then it says to make her holy and cleansing her by the washing uh, with water through the word and present her to himself as radiant as the church. Like there, there is something about like how, how Paul – says husbands be to wife what Christ was to the church and that it was uh it was selfless it was self-sacrificing it was denying self it was um laying his life down to present her holy just as Jesus laid himself down to present us holy um so sorry I know that we're going on this for a long tangent but I do think that there's something very profound yeah it seems important about that yeah Yeah. it is important absolutely um all right and yeah, like Andrew said, give us some feedback on that. I'd actually love, I mean, we preach better when we know what's actually really going on in yeah. people's lives. So I'd love to know people's thoughts on that, on that question. And and even my total speculation on statistics. <laughs> <laughs> All right, moving on. Next question. Um, when is it the right time to share my sexual history with my girlfriend or boyfriend? Is mm-hmm. there a right time? And if so, when is that right time? Yeah, I don't think that there is a right or wrong answer on when to share. Um, I think that everyone is different. I think that some people have 
less baggage than others or less sexual history or less trauma. Um, I do think that there are things that we've gone through and experienced that we should be careful in who we allow into those. Um, sometimes we can allow people to speak into certain things that have happened in our lives and they don't, they shouldn't have a vote. Yeah. They shouldn't have an opinion. Um, I do think once when you when you begin to cross that threshold of, hey, we're just like kind of vibing, dating a little bit to like, no, we're in a committed relationship. I'm pursuing this person. They're pursuing me. We, we could see this being a long-term thing. Then I think, yeah, you need to more seriously begin to think about when you need to have those conversations. Um, regardless of when, it has to happen, though, yeah. before you put a ring on it. Yeah. Like, um, you you cannot just – you can't put a ring on it without them knowing um, – some of the things that maybe you've 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 done or some of the things that have happened like that's not fair to them it's not fair to you yeah because it will affect intimacy i even talked about that in the last message that i preached of like you don't you do not want to be standing across your spouse on wedding day being like they just don't know yeah um man that creates a lot of shame which will affect intimacy because you'll hide it more um but i will say this one caveat um and I'm, I'm, I feel really strong about this because I've seen this a lot. I saw it in, um, in my life. Is just because it was shared in a dating relationship doesn't mean that it shouldn't be a potentially continued conversation in marriage. Yeah. Okay, so I could start dating somebody, and five dates in, we're getting kind of serious. I tell them, like, I have this sexual history where I've had sex with X amount of, X amount of people. Well, then all of a sudden, like you get married, and in that moment, they're going to be forgiving and full of grace because, oh, like, yeah. no, I just like you. I love. Oh, thank you so much for telling me. Like, I don't, I don't judge you for any of that. Great, but then you're going to get married, and you're going to be naked in front of each other, and you're going to start having sex with each other, and then there can be questions that can, yeah, like raise up. So, I just think that you have to know, like, yes, have that conversation, but also know that. You, it might need to be a continued conversation. You mm. might need to get into marriage um, and, and affirm that person of like, hey, I, I know that I have some sexual baggage and some sexual history. How, how do you, now that we're having sex, how, how do you feel about that? Yeah. You might be surprised by their answer. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Whatever direction. Yeah. Um, but at least it creates some space for them to see like that you understand, you see it, and you're not just like, no, oh, dude, you forgave me six months ago. We're fine. <laughs> on our second date. Yeah. Because, yeah. um, dude, once you put a ring on it and you share that marital bed, everything changes. Yes. The game changes. So, it does. Um, so I'm not saying that you need to f- be filled with shame again once you get married, but be willing to have continue to have some tough conversations. Yeah. I would say marriage doesn't just heal. It exposes. Yeah. I think that marriage heals by exposing. And I think a lot of people look to marriage to just heal as almost like an eraser of all their past. Yeah, I used to be addicted to porn, but when I'm married, I'll be fine. Or right. I used to sleep around. I used to whatever. But when I'm married, I won't look at other other girls or other guys. They think marriage is healing. And the way marriage heals is by exposing you, yeah. not only to God, but to somebody else. Right. 
And so I think I would say when you know you're getting serious, it's time to share that sexual history. But no, like you were saying, that just because you share it once doesn't mean it's healed. The part of the process of marriage is not just enjoying life with somebody, but it's healing you as an individual with someone who's committed to you. And and you're going to be a part of their healing process. Yeah. And it's going to be ugly at times. It's going to be great at times. Um, but yeah, don't think that marriage is just a Band-Aid to your sexual history. Yeah. It'll expose it at a deeper level so that you can heal more fully. Yeah, and, and I, I've known couples who shared their sexual past within the first few dates um, and then never talked about it ever again in marriage. Huh. Um, and Good for them. And Yeah, but then I've also known many people yeah. who is the opposite of that. Um, and so that's, yeah, it's not just because you spoke it. It's not like the... The catch-all of healing. Yeah, absolutely. So, that's, um, that's great. Okay, here's a good one, and I feel like this is pretty relevant to not just young adults as our ministry, but just young professionals in Denver and whatever other city somebody could be listening to this. Um, what is so wrong about moving in together? Is it actually wrong to live together before you're married, or is it just wrong to have sex before you're married? Why is it, why is it wrong to move in together? Yeah, I, I saw. I read this article. Um, it was a, it was a secular article actually, and uh, it, it said this about people who cohabitate. And and, and for the record, it, it's showing that right now, um, stats would show that adults between the ages of eighteen and forty four, fifty nine percent of them have lived with an unmarried partner at some point in their lives. Wow. Um, about fifteen to twenty years ago, that was just around like fifty fifty two percent. Um, so you have that. And then the, this, this is Pew Research. Uh, it says that 69% of Americans would say cohabitation is, is acceptable, um, even if a couple doesn't plan to get married. So huh. our, our, not only has, does our culture believe that it's okay, our culture is kind of statistically showing that we're going to act this out. Yeah, we're um, going to do it. Yeah. But I, I did read this article uh, this week that it was a secular article and it said couples who lived together before marriage had a lower divorce rate in their first year of marriage, but had a higher divorce rate after five years, which supported earlier research linking premarital cohabitation to increased risk of divorce. So it's kind of like in your first year, no, because you're just kind of continuing on with. Yeah. Nothing really is changing that much. No. For yeah. You. you just like you had a wedding and a celebration. Yeah. But for some reason, and we can talk more about this, um, the further it went along. The, the more opportunity there was for divorce. Yeah. Um, I'm going to give credit where credit is due. There, there's a book called Loveology by John Mark Comer. And in the back, he has a Q&A section with a marriage and sex counselor. I believe his name is Gary Bashir. I know his first name is Gary, um, but I don't know his last name specifically. That just popped into my head. Uh, but they, they answer this question. And he said, and this is a really cool thought, Back in Genesis 2, the Bible says um, this is why a man leaves his father and mother and clings to his wife and they become one. Um, And he said back in that day, the idea of moving in with somebody and clinging to them was a holistic act of leaving your parents, leaving whatever support system you grew up with, and starting a new life together as one with this person. So in Jesus's context and in an ancient context when the Bible was written, the idea of cohabitation before marriage wasn't really 
a, a thing. It, it was in the sense of maybe like pagan, and I mean pagan in the sense of like non-Christian um, culture. But for for Jesus and for a lot of his his listeners or and, and Jewish people, when you left your home, it was to be united both physically, sexually with somebody together and live together. And so I think that kind of the Christian mindset is when you live together, you're ready to do all of life together. Mm -hmm. Um, And so that's why so often you hear pastors or young adult preachers or teachers, whatever, talk about don't move in together. And then let's just be honest. You are going to be way more tempted to have sex before you're married if you're living together just because it's going to be way more available. Mm -hmm. It The temptation to roll over in bed is way way easier than to get in your car Mm -hmm. when there's snow on the ground, drive 30 minutes. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Now, sex will make people do some crazy things. I'm Mm -hmm. not saying nobody's ever done (laughs) done the drive, but all I'm saying is it's just take yourself out of harm's way. It's it's smarter. Yeah, and I I think that... um, we have kind of sexualized in our culture as that being like a next step of like the relationship of like they gave me their key. Yeah. I can go to their But I I think like to to your point that when when someone when you get married, they're saying like I'm committing my whole self to you. When you move in together, it's like I'm I don't know if I see you as like being my forever person. Yeah. But at least right now, I want to like invite you into staying. Yeah, we can in my share. Home. We can share rent right now. Yeah, and <laughs> yeah. and yeah, there's there's a lot of people who do it for convenience. A lot of people who do it for financial reasons, and um, you know. But we've had multiple couples like at the church who have wanted to get married at the church, and they let us know they're living together, and we'll tell them like we'll do your wedding, but we need you to move out from living with each other. And dude, I could tell you countless stories. Of people, yeah, I think even Doug in our Austin camps was telling us about a couple um, who people will, they'll be like, okay, we're going to move out. They'll move out, stop having sex, and then they get married. And it never fails. They're like, thank you so much. Like, it it did something to me where I moved out and, and it grew us closer together. And we stopped having sex before we got married. Um, and it felt like the first time again when we, you know, so. Yeah. So I just think that like sometimes when you move in with each other, like you're practicing divorce, you're practicing uh, being able to just like, well, I'm done. I'm moving out. Peace. Like yeah. I'm out. I'm going to pack up my bags. I'm going to leave. You're practicing divorce. Um, and the decision you make today will determine will, will like determine the outcome of the things that happen tomorrow. So um, listen, if someone wants to marry you, wants to be with you, then make them wait for yeah. that. I Sexually agree. and when it comes to cohabitation. Yeah, I agree. I agree a hundred percent. Next question is this: If I if I've already had sex in past relationships, why should I wait until marriage to do it again? Haven't I already crossed a line that I can't uncross? Mm-hmm. Um, I would say this: First off, just because you've murdered somebody doesn't mean you should go murder somebody <laughs> else. <laughs> Just because something you've done something wrong doesn't mean you should continue to do something yeah. wrong. Yeah. Um, but then, just from from a spiritual standpoint, I, I think that's bad theology. I think that's bad logic because when you become a Christian, a follower of Jesus, the Bible says that you become a new creation. The old is gone; 
and the new is here. And so just because you've already had sex in the past relationship now, does that make you a physical virgin again? No. But what that does mean is that you can confess your sin. You can confess to your partner that you want to get married to, and you can have a clean slate, I believe. That that doesn't, like I said, that doesn't erase your sexual history, but that doesn't mean that you have to continue to add more and more baggage for yourself and your future spouse because whether you want to admit this or not, here is a cold, hard reality check for anybody wanting to get married. The more sexual partners you have before marriage, I promise you the more stuff you'll have to work through when you're married. Yeah. It is just a fact. It is science. I promise you that. And so, no, if you've already had sex in past relationships, you should wait to do it again until you're married. One, because you're set, you're honoring your future spouse by waiting now at this point. Mm-hmm. And two, because we honestly believe that Jesus makes all things new. And even though you can't erase a physical act, you can submit your your heart posture yeah. to, to being a new creation. And that even includes your sexuality. Yeah. No, I think that that's yeah, that's so important. I, I I know from my story, you know, um, I I lost my virginity. Uh, I was in this horrible relationship when I was a teenager <laughs> and made a dumb decision. Um, and God really dealt with my heart. Um, and but I was able to like stand before Jerica on our wedding day and say, eight years ago I made a mistake. Um, didn't say this out loud, but we had had these conversations, um, you know, but I decided when I was a teenager that that's not the life that I wanted. And from that point on, I wasn't going to do that again. And so I got to stand in front of my wife with a lot of integrity to be like, yes, I, I did that once. Um, but you know, I haven't done it since and I've been holding myself out for you. So, so I just think that like God, God can restore and now, now, are the will you still have to deal with some of the consequences of those things? Yes, sometimes the, your sexual history you don't experience some of the consequences until you get married. Um, and but but I, I do think that you can decide today, regardless of how many partners that you've had, be like, okay, yeah, but this day on whatever the day is today, I don't know, um, of twenty twenty one, September of twenty twenty one, I made a decision that that was it. Yeah. And so then I looked at my partner in the eye when we got married and said, that was the day that I decided. Um, so, yeah. yeah. No, I agree wholeheartedly. Um, this will be our, our last question. Um, not comical, but I guess I don't know why if I, I laughed when I, I read it a little bit. Um, last question as we wrap this Q&A, this relationship Q&A up, says this. Does God really expect us to only have one sexual partner and live in monogamous relationships? If that's the case, why do so many Old Testament heroes have multiple wives? And I think that's a great point. Sounds like a great question for our theologian Connor. Not a theologian to but, answer, but I did a little did a little research. Um, but you're the closest theologian in this room. I'm paying Between off student debt for a theology degree, so <laughs> that you can get free online anywhere now. So yeah, sure. Um, so here's what I'll say. Does God really expect us to have only one sexual partner and live in a monogamous relationship? Yes, he does. Um, if that's the case, why do Old Testament heroes have multiple wives? Just because something is descriptive in the Bible doesn't mean it's prescriptive or permissible. That's good. There's so many things in the Bible that we read that, that the author is literally describing a situation, um, but he's not saying that it's 
the ideal situation. And so when you read that people in the Old Testament had multiple wives, that doesn't mean that God is permitting it or is happy with it. We know in Genesis, uh, God's idea for sexuality and monogamy was one man and one woman together forever. And we can see one of the first polygamous marriages when we talk about having multiple wives was Abraham. Um, he, had, he, he was with his slave, uh, Sarai, and had a, had a kid. Or not, Sarah was his wife. Um, mm-hmm. Hagar was. Hagar, yeah. um, but that, was, that wasn't done off faith. That was done on fear. That, mm-hmm. they, they were wrestling with infertility. And God actually gave him a promise saying, you are going to have a kid with yeah. your wife. But he didn't believe God, and he took situations into his own hands. Yeah and had a child with somebody else. But God didn't ask him to do that. He did that on his own. That's great. And so, um, yeah, w- there is a lot of polygamy in, in the Bible because the Bible's real. It's not trying to pretend that it's all this, this picture-perfect thing. It's, the Bible is a, a library of broken people who God has rescued and is rescuing. Um, so it shows their brokenness, but no, I don't think that I don't think that the Bible in anywhere gives permission to have multiple wives, multiple partners. Um, I just think that when it talks about that, it's describing a situation. It's not prescribing or even giving permission to something like that. Yeah, that's great. That's a good answer. <laughs> well, there we go. <laughs> <laughs> so don't have multiple wives. Yeah, yeah, dude. I no, I think that's uh. That's a great answer. <laughs> there we go. All right. <laughs> well, Andrew, as we wrap up our our final Q and A of this relationship series, yeah. Do you have any closing thoughts? Any final thoughts before we uh, before we sign off here? Um. No, you know, I I think that we we talk about this a lot with this age group, um, because it's so important, and and most people in this season of life a lot of their relationships aren't super healthy. And so we care a lot about this. Yeah. And, and I and I think we should care a lot about it because I said this last week, but, um, you know, relationships are drivers. And so where your relationships go, you'll go. Yeah. But I think that there's something so important to this season of life of understanding your value and, um, and, and having like clear vision and clear intentionality and clear boundaries for like who you're going to be, who you're going to allow into your life. Um, and so, so hear from God on, on this topic, pray about it. Like, um, you know, pray about your future spouse and it's okay to desire relationships. Like I, I hate like when people say like, the second you quit, like wanting it, You'll have then it. Then you'll have it. And I'm like, yeah. no, that's the dumbest thing ever. Like <laughs> that is the dumbest thing. God ever. created us to to like desire to be in relationship. And like God's hope for the world out of his church was like for us to like produce and multiply. And you know, and so I think that yeah. we have this deep down desire to to want relationships, to want to be married. So don't feel bad about wanting that. Um, but don't put it on a pedestal where you want it so bad where you'll disregard all value, all um, all boundaries to get the thing that you think that you want. And so so I think it's okay to step back and, and be like, God, what do you want for my relationships? Who do you want me to be in a relationship? God, what are things in my life that need healing, restoration? What are some things in my life that need exposure? Uh, God, who is the kind of person in my life that um, will bring value to my life and um, not heal the things in my life, but, but bring value and 
um, I don't know. So I, I, that we, we care about it and I hope that you feel it, that we care about it. And, and we say these things not out of um, to not let you have a fun life, but to, to show you that God wants the best thing for you. Yeah. Um, and, and relationships God's way is not about what you can't have. It's about what you can't have. Yeah, absolutely. I agree. No, relationships are some of the most beautiful, powerful things in our life. And so we think it's important to do them well and, and be healthy in them. And that's that's our heart. That's our goal of every relationship series we do. Yeah. Every podcast Q&A is to hopefully set you up, give you some weapons, some tools to have yeah. good, healthy, powerful relationships. And so um, that's all I got. For all things young adults, you can follow us on Instagram at RedRocksYA. Um, look us up. It's our little logo there. Um, and then for you can also keep up with sermons, messages, anything like that, all that good stuff uh, at RedRocksYA.com. Um, yeah, let us know if you guys have more questions about relationships, if there's something that we covered that you loved, if there's something that you wish we would have covered, send us a DM um, with the title or whatever, just the first line, just say podcast, and then let us know. And uh, yeah, look forward to seeing you guys again here soon. This is Connor signing out. (laughs) I don't know. I just thought of your little radio show. It's like, how would Andrew sign out of his little little love talks with Andrew? Yeah. I don't know. I I was going to say something weird. All right. We'll be back in a week or two. See ya.